This is here in the city. That is the sound of a film projector. We're here with Shannon Kelly, who is the head of public programming for the UCLA Film and Television Archive. Shannon, thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, the reason we invited you here is because of the Festival of Preservation, which is currently taking place at UCLA. What is the Festival of Preservation, first of all? The Festival of Preservation at the UCLA Film and Television Archive is an activity where, um, as an organization, we kind of uh, take the opportunity to show the city and the world the work that we've been doing for the last couple of years in film preservation and restoration. We're one of a very few organizations uh, working at this volume and this level, um, safeguarding the national film patrimony. Of course, there are, there are world organizations doing this in other national settings. Um, in the United States, um, our collection is the second largest after the Library of Congress. And with the Library of Congress and a few other organizations, um, George Eastman House, the Museum of Modern Art, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, we're engaged in um, identifying and safeguarding the future of um, significant um, works of film art from the national film patrimony. Since there's such a large volume of work in the archive that's ongoing um, and being preserved, how do you choose what will be then in the screening series every two years? This series is a pretty good estimation of the volume and kinds of work that is being done in preservation anyway. There'll be certain other things, maybe smaller things, that don't go into the festival. Um, but as a, so to ask a question about the content of the, of the festival is almost like asking again about the priorities of preservation. But it's a good question um, because it's a combination of things. Uh, one thing is that, you know, that just maybe aesthetically or um, in some other way, there's a category of film that um, it would be nice to be able to contribute to, you know, saving this, this corner of our film heritage. In other cases, it may have to do with need because it's a thing that you might not have prioritized otherwise except that it's slipping away. You open a can and realize that this unique piece is deteriorating and there's only so much time to save it. So um, between those two things, and also, you know, like what else is going on in the world? Who else may be working on this area? You might have prioritized a title except if you know that 20 things like it are being preserved and so you look in some other place. Um, in our own collection, there are, there are works in various states of decomposition and so this really does come into it when we know that um, a category of film is endangered. You might go for something characteristic of that category in order for history to have a toehold on that um, distinction. Um, so you're, you're raising awareness also. Yeah, everything. it's interesting because um, from the beginning when um, uh, film preservation was made a, a subject of public concern, um, this was the thing, too, was to communicate that although now you're looking at a beautiful new copy of a film and it's easy to take that for granted and forget the whole business of its having been preserved, it's well to remember that this preservation represents our last chance to have had this work. And in the early days, people were rushing in to save everyone's favorite film. Um, uh, so that point was was made over and over again. You know, Stagecoach, for instance, was, was something that was almost lost by John Ford and uh, became kind of an early... Uh, example of you know something of 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 a type of film that we all take for granted because we see things on television or in other let's say inferior formats that um, uh, also are not very stable and once they were all gone maybe we would have lost everything forever. There's always this chance. Uh, now we um, are interested not only in the greatest hits 
And so, for instance, a couple of years ago, we were involved with a major restoration of the film The Red Shoes by Michael Powell and Emmerich Pressburger. But also, like, some things that, you know, you somebody might never have read of or seen or had a chance to. Um, for instance, the, f- the early work of a very famous actor, but before that person became famous or before their personality had kind of coalesced into what made them a star. So we just the other day showed some early Betty Davis works that are quite interesting because they show sort of her promise without yet showing, you know, uh, that that point uh, beyond which she had been not only, you know, enough to carry a picture, but almost too much for a picture and which made her, of course, a superstar. We're in Los Angeles, which is the heart of the film industry still. And I'm wondering if that has an impact on who comes out to see the films for the Festival of Preservation. Los Angeles is getting it together. Um, Now you can look around town and see lots of important historical programming. And I think the audience is starting to really get it. Um, But it's interesting. As a a film capital, it's been mostly a forward-leaning film capital throughout history, which is to say that tomorrow by far outrates yesterday as uh, as an item of priority for, you know, something to concentrate and work on. So these efforts um, at film preservation, you know, have, have seen as strong leadership and a strong audience response in Washington, D.C. and Rochester and other places as they have in Los Angeles. On the other hand, here we have an enormous repository of American moving image um, artifacts. And a number of them came to the archive at a time when studios hadn't yet seen how to monetize these works and didn't know why they should be paying on real estate to keep them or or refrigeration to keep them, you know, in good shape. It was a good thing. Now, since that time, the synergies between studios and the um, and the archive are much more powerful and there's much more participation between the corporate rights holders and the archive in, in preserving these works. Going back to 1935, as you mentioned, on the last night of the Festival of Preservation at UCLA, you've got um, a Cecil B. DeMille film where he actually appears called The Hollywood Extra Girl. And um, the Internet Movie Database, IMDb, actually calls it a semi-documentary. Could you tell us a little bit about what that movie is? Well, DeMille was not only one of the most vibrant filmmakers of his time, which is a long time, he was one of the most active <laughs> filmmakers um, by comparison with anybody else that you've ever seen in America. Very energetic guy. But he was also a great showman, and um, he knew how to sell a film. He did this thing a couple of times where he would he would choose someone. See, he was a director who famously directed all his extras, and he usually had a lot of extras. So nobody was to do anything random. They all got special attention from him, and if they couldn't take it, off they went. And uh, here's a case where he trades on this reputation by... Um, uh, he, he produced a little sort, short subject to promote his film, The Crusades, in which an extra, uh, a young woman who is just coming you know, onto the set to put on a costume and fill up a space, receives special attention from DeMille, and he's letting her know how important her part is and so forth. And she actually is a person who appeared in the film, except that he sort of plucked her from the chorus to also appear in this little short subject. Hollywood, magic city of illusion, home of celebrated personalities, West, Crosby, Dietrich, But what about the unknowns, the extras, the faces in the mob scenes? Are they real, these people who wear numbers instead of names? Let us select offhand Hollywood Extra Girl number 1472. We'll be showing it back-to-back with... um with the Crusades itself. A very interesting feature, by the way, in that it's, uh, it, it figures, uh, you know, a conflict between races, you know, for control of the city of Jerusalem. 
a kind of uh, topic we almost don't take on in entertainment anymore. And the way it gets worked out uh, is kind of maybe a little bit too hopeful to even believe, but it's a really terrific entertainment in the tradition of the Ten Commandments and all those other barnstorming DeMille epics that you've ever seen. And, um, and quite fun to see in this condition, too, because um, it's, it's uh, one of the more beautiful black-and-white features that DeMille did at Paramount, and now it's been given the full glamour treatment. And we're speaking with Shannon Kelly, who is the head of public programming for the festival and for the UCLA Film and Television Archive. Um, the last question I want to ask you, Shannon, is what is your favorite piece um, that either you've seen or is coming up in this festival? Is there one thing that just stands out to you? I, it's useless for me to speculate about my favorite because it changes every day. But if I were to say something very special and maybe something that's on my mind today... I would mention Wanda, a feature made by Barbara Loden. Um, it's a it's one of the later features of among the works that we're showing um, from the '70s. And uh, Barbara Loden was a, an actress in her own right, and uh, happened to have been the wife of Ilya Kazan too. But um, she um, directed this really miraculously beautiful feature and and ahead of its time in uh, 1970 about uh, a, a young woman in a rural setting um, trapped in a marriage that's going nowhere and uh, a, a very abusive situation, um, looking around to the world for answers and finding them hard to get. And it's a very, very truth-telling, very searing story. In fact, a very autumnal story for a young person to have made. And, and then to top it all off, Barbara Loden died young. So here you had another case of a film just kind of out there somewhere, you know, but um, in need of help. And so... Really pleased to say that not only has it been um, now preserved, but also uh, very uh, exactingly because the color palette of uh, the cinematography of the film was very, very important. And um, our preservationist, Ross Lipman, went to great lengths in order to, you know, sort of study and authenticate exactly what was needed and then to, to achieve those ends so that we have uh, a very accurate picture of the, um, of the technical uh, qualities of the film that supported its beautiful story. And when's that one screening? Screens on March the 19th. And if you want to know more about the festival of preservation at the UCLA Film and Television Archive, you can visit www.cinema.ucla.edu. Just hit screenings and you'll find me. Okay, and we will also have a link to that on our website here in the city.org. I want to thank you, Shannon Kelly, for joining us on the show. Thank you, too. It's a great pleasure to be here.